Isaiah chapter number 9 and verse number 6. It says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government, stay with me now, the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Now, I think it's important right here before we go to the next scripture, that word peace there means welfare. It means well-being. It means the well-being. Prince means the ruler. So he said, this king that's coming is going to be the king of your well-being. Amen. He's going to be the king of a kingdom, and your well-being and your welfare is going to be his responsibility. Verse number, uh, of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Turn with me now to the book of Matthew chapter number 6. Matthew chapter number 6, verse number 31. Now, we just told you that the Prince of Peace actually means the welfare. Amen. I don't mean that in a negative term. The welfare or the well-being of, of, of the sons of his kingdom will be the responsibility of the prince of the kingdom. Isn't that good? These, these scriptures in Matthew says, Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. That word Gentiles actually translates pagan. Jesus is literally preaching that it is paganistic to pursue after material stuff. Did y'all catch that? He didn't say he wasn't supposed to have stuff. He said, but if you're continually worried about what you're going to eat and drink and live, he said, you got a whole lot of religion and not much kingdom. He said, the pagans do that. I'm calling you into a kingdom where that's not your main worry. That's, that's, that's me. So he said, don't take no thought with that. Wherewith shall we be clothed? For all these things do the pagans or the Gentiles or the lost. You're a born again believer. You've been brought into the kingdom of God. For your heavenly father knows that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Let's pray together. Now you got to get ready. We're going to go on a journey. All right. You ready? Father, we just thank you for your presence that's in this place this morning. And now we come to you, Father, praying for your leadership, that you'll lead us, direct us. I pray, open up the windows of revelation and inspiration and let us leave here transformed because of the truth of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody shout amen. amen. Tell your neighbor on the way to your seat. First things first. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, the word first means preceding all others in rank, dignity, or excellence. If you're taking notes, you ought to write that down. Seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness. It means preceding all others in rank, dignity, or in 
excellence. It actually means preceding everything else in the order of time. Somebody shout first things first. Amen. So this scripture is about you establishing some new priorities in your life. This scripture is about you putting things first in your life. Amen. Somebody shout priority. Thank you for your participation. Priority actually means something that is regarded as more important than other things. That's a priority in your life. A priority is something you have given the right to take precedence or to uh, proceed before everything else. So priorities are established by the value you place on it. Now, before I go any further... I want you to just take just a second to think, what has first priority in your life? Uh, Well, how how do I determine that? Well, you determine it by how much value you put on the thing. Amen? Have you ever just stopped and said, what are my priorities? What is first in my life? What have I deemed more important? So a priority is a thing that we consider to be of the highest value or the highest worth. It's first among all other endeavors in our life. So establishing priorities means ranking everything in order and in in importance, meaning determine which is the most important and then focusing my time, my attention, and my energy in that area. It's a matter of putting first things first. And here in the text, Jesus lays out before us what should be the main priority in our lives. What do he say? Seek ye first the kingdom and what? And his righteousness and all of these things are gonna be added unto you. Now listen to me. This is a bold challenge given by Jesus Christ. Can can I get a witness? Because he is saying that the kingdom of God and a right relationship with God should be something to be regarded more valuable. It should be more valuable, more important than the very fundamental necessities of your life, such as food, such as clothes, and such as a place to live. Now, we ain't even talking about your four-wheelers and boats. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Oh, Jimbo shouted over that, and amen. No, no, he ain't even talking about all that stuff. He said, this is Jesus preaching, y'all. He said that the kingdom of God and right relationship with God should take priority over even worrying about what you're going to eat tomorrow, what you're going to wear tomorrow. Are y'all with me this morning? Amen. So what a challenge. Amen. What a challenge. But what makes this challenge acceptable and even appealing is the fact that it's a challenge with a promise. He said, if you will give the kingdom of God and righteousness first place, if you will make it the first place or the first priority of your life, If you would consider the kingdom of God and a right relationship with God more valuable than even your basic necessities of life, the very things you need to continue to exist, then all the things you need, all the things that are requisite for you to be able to live a normal life are going to be added to you. Man, somebody ought to just give the Lord a great big hand praise right there. What? 
What a promise. He said, if you will establish your priorities around God's kingdom and his righteousness, then I'm going to cause there to be some increase in your life. There's going to be some divine additions added to you this year. If you get your priorities right, some things you are struggling for right now, some things you are anxious about right now are going to just be freely given to you this year. Amen. If you get your priorities right, amen. It reminds me of uh, of there was a famine in the land, three and a half years of doubt, of drought. Elijah was living by a stream. Y'all remember that story? The stream dried up and he said, go to Zarephath. I'm going to have a woman there that she's going to take care of you. There's going to be a widow woman there, and she's going to make sure that you are taken care of. Well, he gets to the city, and there's a little widow woman outside the city gate gathering sticks. Now, God's done told the widow, I want you to take care of this man of God when I bring him to you. So when he shows up, she's gathering, she's outside the city, and he said, bring me a drink of water. Now, remember, we're in a drought. Water is as precious as gold. But she knew God said, take care of it. So she was going to get him some water. And she was going to bring it back to him. And then the preacher had the audacity. Don't you hate money-grubbing preachers? It's okay to say amen right there. He had the audacity to say, oh, yeah, while you're at it, bring me a cake. And she said, sir, I'm going to be honest with you. All I have is a handful of meal. Somebody say handful. All I got is a handful of meal and a little bit of oil, and I'm gathering two sticks, and when I get these sticks gathered, I'm going to cook that, we're going to eat, and we're going to die. Well, the prophet said, don't be afraid. Fear not. Go and do as you have said, but make me a little cake Oh, somebody got to help me now. But make me a little cake. Somebody shout first things first. Make me a cake first and bring it to me. And after that, make for you and your son. And Elijah said, fear not. Go do as you said. Is that the same scripture? Let's try the next one. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah and, 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 and she and he and her house did eat many days, and the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did, neither did the cruise of all fail, according to the word of the Lord, he spake by Elijah. Are you following me? Jesus said, if you will put the kingdom of God first. You see, when she chose to put the man of God first, all she had was a handful, and it wasn't enough. Amen. All she had was a handful, but because she chose to sow her handful first into the kingdom of God, every time she went back to the barrel, she had another handful. Every time she poured all, she had all. Can I tell you, I heard the Holy Ghost say that if you will get your priorities right, there's going to be some divine additions to your, I'm going to shout all by myself. There's going to be some divine additions to your life and what you used to struggle for, it's going to start coming easy because it's going to be a divine addition to your life. Somebody shout first things first. He said, if you'll put the kingdom and his righteousness in a position of top top priority, I promise you there's going to be some additions coming to your life. Some of us are struggling too hard 
because our priorities are out of line. Oh, y'all ain't even gonna help me now, are you? I'm gonna preach and amen myself. Brother, help me out this morning, would you? Amen. We got all pride. And we're chasing after food and clothes and houses. And that sounds so logical because I'm supposed to take care of my family. When that ain't what the kingdom said, the kingdom said, if you'll seek righteousness first and a right relationship with Jesus Christ and put his kingdom first, you're just going to scoop up another handful and another handful. And God help me this morning. Your little handful is going to turn into an unlimited supply. I know what some of you are thinking. No, this, this is just too good to be true. I'm just telling you what Jesus said. Huh? We're used to a religious bondage instead of the kingdom of God. Oh, my God, y'all ain't going to help me. If you get your priorities right and put first things first and seek first the kingdom of God and the righteousness of God, you're not going to struggle this year like you did last year. Somebody ought to write that down right now and just prove it. Just prove it. Just try it and see that if we don't get our priorities right. Now, for this principle of putting the kingdom of God first and his righteousness first to work for you, First, you got to understand what the kingdom is. Amen? You got to understand what the kingdom is. Now, the reason we must understand what it means to put the kingdom first is because I'm afraid we've mistaken religion for kingdom. You with me, Nathan? He's got an awesome testimony. That thing needs to be put online. Jesus didn't say religion should be the first priority in your life. He said the kingdom and a right relationship with Jesus should be the first priority in your life. Amen? So, okay, if that's the case, what is the kingdom of God? What is the kingdom of God? How do you seek first the kingdom? Well, the kingdom of God is, the kingdom is the government or universal dominion of God. Catch that now. Another definition would be the territory or region subject to a king and his sovereign will. Y'all got it? I'm going to leave it on the screen. Write it down. In other words, the kingdom is not a religious word. Ain't going to be some opposition here in a minute. I feel it already. The kingdom is not even a religious word. It's a governmental word. In other words, when you're reading your Bible, every time you read the word kingdom, you could put slash government. 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 The kingdom of God is, has, is the universal dominion or the government of God. So it's not a religious word. It's a governmental word. And it speaks of a realm or a domain ruled by government. Not like the government you and I are used to. We're used to a democracy, a government by the people for the people. This is not a democracy. This is a theocracy. And see, we just love the democratic uh, uh, government that we got. But in essence, if it's a government by the people, then the people are God. Let me try this out. If it's a government by the people, then the people have the last say. 
They vote in their will, their direction, their mindsets, their, their worldview. And that's all good if everybody has a biblical worldview. But we're at a place in the United States where 60% of our country doesn't have a biblical worldview no more. And they believe men can marry men, women ought to marry women. We ought to be able to use the same restrooms no matter if you're a man, woman. We ought to be able to use, are, are y'all listening to me? Amen. And when that mindset takes over and they start doing all the voting. Ooh. All of a sudden the democracy's not fun anymore because it's the establishment of a government based on the will of the people and it's for the people and we start making laws, amen, that that just go with ever how I feel. And today I just don't feel I'm not getting too deep in that. And and so you get to vote your mindset into a situation and it becomes law. Well, the kingdom is not a democracy. It's a theocracy where there is one king and he has universal. Oh, somebody ought to help me right there. He's got universal rule and every law I make has to be in submission to what the king already said. Oh, but the good news is he's a good king. I've been shout all by myself. He's a good king and your welfare is what he's concerned about and his laws are not grievous, amen, but they are for your benefit. I can tell you there ain't a handful of churches in this entire parish, if any, that operate on theocracy and democracy. And I can tell you why, because we vote our pastors in. We vote our elders in. Somebody shout democracy. Amen. We do all the voting. Can I tell you, there's not one vote in the New Testament church. This is too much for one Sunday. Somebody say, we got to get it right. We got to get it right. You don't get to decide who's going to be the pastor. You don't get to decide who's going to be the elder. Why? Because God, it's a theocracy, and God will put his finger on a man, and you just say, yes, sir, that's the one. I got to keep moving because I'm trying to get somewhere. I, I don't know if this, this atmosphere is getting hostile or not. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. We've always voted. We've always had it wrong. <laughs> I can't quit. I felt so smart. I'm going to poke it. Amen. Well, <laughs> amen. Well, maybe that's why we're having to struggle year after year. Maybe that's why our, God, our churches have to struggle because we're not preaching the, the true gospel of the kingdom. Amen. He said, if you'll preach the gospel of the kingdom, I'll cause increase. And of the increase of my government, they won't be no end. We're going to grow this year. We're going to prosper this year. We're going on this year. High five your neighbor and tell them first things first. One of the greatest mistakes or misunderstandings in the body of Christ is to mistake the kingdom for a religion. Jesus never came to establish a religion. He came to establish a kingdom. He came to establish a new order of government. Religion is a set of rules designed to govern man's action. The kingdom is about a royal family and a right relationship with the king that motivates a man's actions. God, why didn't I put that on the screen? I'm gonna say it again. Religion is a set of rules designed to govern you. Religion makes you a slave to an ideology. 
And it's supposed to govern your actions and I gotta do this and I can't wear that. I can't say that. I can't drink that. I can't eat that. I can't, I can't, I can't. Amen. Are you listening to me? And it's designed to govern your action. But the kingdom is about a royal family into which you are born and it's about a right relationship with the king that just motivates me to do what pleases the king. There's no bondage in the kingdom. The bondage is in religion. Religion is about a bondage to regulations and traditions and the kingdom is about freedom. Matter of fact, this is gonna blow your mind. Josh, oh, you, can't do, you can't put nothing in here, can you? Religion comes from the word re and Lego, write that down. Not Lego. That's what you build a little. Lego, L-I-G-O. Y'all ain't gonna believe this. Lego means to bind. And re means again. So religion really means to bind again. So people are coming out of one kind of bondage. Oh my God. And they're entered into another kind of bondage. And I'm not smoking dope no more, but I want to. Oh my God. I'm not running around on my wife, but I want to. Woo. You ever see them in the mall? I know you don't do it. But they walk by. I watch them. I, but people watch. I love the mall. I hate to shop, but I love the mall. And I watch them guys, amen? And them gals will walk by me. Oh, Josh, I tore this up. Are y'all listening to me? Amen. And then they walk by the pastor. Hello, brother. Good to see you. I'll be there Sunday morning, amen? You doing all right? Y'all know I'm telling the truth. Amen. And I don't want to run around. I meant I'm not running around on my wife, but I would sure love to. Amen. Religion will give you rules, but it'll never change your heart. Kingdom. The kingdom of God makes you a son and gives you a relationship with the king. And you say, I wouldn't run around on my wife for a million dollars. It's her I love because it's him I Somebody shout, we got to get it right. Religion produces slavery to an ideology and the, the kingdom produces free sons. That's why Jesus came, preach, I got to go. My God, I got to move. Isaiah 61 and 1, he said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the meek. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captive, the opening of prison doors to those that are bound. This is the gospel of the kingdom that there's freedom for you. There's not a religion to join. There's a kingdom to be born into. And when you're born into this kingdom, he'll take that dope out of your vein. He'll take that desire out out of your mouth. It ain't bondage. That's why the Bible says, he who the son sets free is. That means he's really free. 90% of, well, maybe 50% will be kind. Of people sitting in churches ain't doing what they used to do and still bound by the same thing. Am I right about it? You just don't go where you used to go, but you would. You would if you could. Huh? You would if your religion allowed it. So now we started tweaking religion. 
Oh my God, oh my God. We started tweaking religion to let me do this and let me do that because if my religion said it's okay, it must be okay. But God said, oh, somebody help me. If you seek a relationship first, that will govern what you do and you don't do. Oh my God, help me, I gotta move. He said, I come to set people free. They come to bind you up with another religious system. So religion is arguably one of the greatest dividers of mankind. Am I right about it? Religion is even more divisive than racism. Racism divides the black man from the white man. Religion divides the black man from the black man and the white man from the white man. Religion divides families and churches. Racism divides us by color and culture. But religion divides us by belief systems and diverse mindsets. Amen. Some of you know what I'm talking about. How many of you, don't, don't raise your hand, are divided in your family right now because they believe something you don't believe? How many has been excommunicated from your family because they got belief systems? Or am, I, am I right about it? It's more divisive. It's more divisive than racism. As a matter of fact, we are in a world war right now. Did y'all know that? Amen. I know no bomb has dropped in your yard yet, but we're in a world war against an ideology. We're in a world war against ISIS, and it is a jihad. It's a holy war. It's a religious war. Are you listening to me? Most of our wars ever fought was a belief system that drove men to kill one another. Jesus said, I ain't coming to establish that. I come to establish a kingdom. Religion is exclusive by nature because its entire structure is built around prescribed performance. Okay, you'll do this and you won't do that. If you'll do this, guess what? Boom, you're in the club. It's the epitome of sectarianism. That's why there's 56, 60, more than 60 churches in Caldwell Parish divided by ideology because we're not kingdom preachers. Oh my God, I don't know if y'all ready for this. We're, 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 we, we preach a different gospel and it's the gospel of religion, amen. But Jesus said, I come to establish the kingdom and I'm tearing down the middle wall of perdition and everybody's gonna be one. There is no black man. There is no white man. There is no Baptist. There is no Pentecostal. Oh, I don't know if y'all got that right there. there ain't no Methodist. There ain't no Presbyterian. We are all one in Christ. Who's preaching that message? And we're wondering why we're struggling trying to make it through. He said, because you're you're preaching the wrong gospel. Some of you are believing the wrong gospel. So it's exclusive by nature because it's a set of rules built around, or it's a structure built around a prescribed performance. So your performance determines whether you're in or your lack thereof, you're out. That's why Christians are judging Christians and this body's judging this body. Amen. Because their communion is open and theirs is not open. Amen. I don't even know if y'all know what that means. Meaning an open communion means that we're going to open up the communion table and if you call yourself saved, you can eat from it. A closed communion says if you're not a member of this church, you do not come to this table. Boy, that sounds cruel. 
That's closed communion. I don't know if you know it or not, but a lot of churches in this parish has closed communion. Now, I don't care where you close it or open it. That's not the point. The point is we've let ideology divide us from one another and we call, oh, Jesus, we've called this right and that wrong. Matter of fact, we ain't no disciples was just like us. They seen some people casting some devils out. Some of them folks was having church. Undoubtedly Pentecostal. They was casting devils out. John shut them down. Uh-uh, whoa. She'd be doing good things like that for Jesus. They shut them down, went back to Jesus and said, Lord, we've seen people casting devils out in your name, but they don't follow us, so we shut them down. They judged them unworthy even though demons were scared of them, devils was being cast out, souls were being saved, the church was growing, but because they didn't fit within the ideology of their system, I gotta move on, I gotta move on. Jesus never said, seek ye first a religion and its requirements and they will be divine additions. We got, you see why we got to get it right? Amen. Go get my banner, somebody. Bring that banner in here out of the foyer. Big yellow banner. Or orange, whatever that is on the screen. Uh, I say it's yellow. Don't judge me. Uh, are y'all see what I'm saying? If I want it to be yellow, it's going to be yellow. So in other words, we establish our own ideology, and if you don't call it yellow, you... you going to hell. That's a yellow banner and all y'all going to hell. Am I telling the truth? That's what religion is. Jesus never said seek ye first a religion and its requirements and I'm going to make some additions in your life. He said seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Jesus never preached a message and called it the gospel of religion. No, he preached the gospel of the kingdom. Matthew 4, 17, from that time, first message Jesus ever preached. First message. <laughs> he just come down out of the wilderness. He just come down out of the wilderness. Amen. He just been tempted 40 days and night. And his first message he ever preached was, from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Notice it said he began to preach, meaning the content of his message was a consistent message of the kingdom. Luke 8 said, amen, and it came to pass afterward that he went through, every, get this one, I didn't put it on the screen, that it came to pass, write it down, Luke 8 1, it came to pass afterward that he went through every city, every village, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and the 12 was with him. He had one message, one message, and it was the gospel of the kingdom. Not only was his message consistent in his kingdom content, it was consistent with the content of his forerunner's message. John. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judah saying, what? <laughs> Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom message was the New Testament message. Matthew 4, 23, and Jesus went about all Galilee, and I could give you hundreds, but I'm establishing something. Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel, 
preaching the gospel of religion. That if you boys will jump through hoops, you can be in my club. He went everywhere preaching one message, the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of diseases among the people. This message of the kingdom was so important to Jesus. Oh God, you gotta stay with me. Amen. And it was imperative to the New Testament church that Jesus even told his disciples, let me tell you what you're gonna preach. I wish God would give the church preachers who would let Jesus tell them what to preach. I come across something online a couple years ago and it, the, the, the heading was spend more time on the golf course. And it had all kind of messages I could have pulled. Wow, look here. Amen. Preachers are preaching regurgitated truths that have not got in the presence of God and found out what the true gospel is. Preachers are preaching traditions of men handed down generation after generation. And our churches are getting smaller and smaller and smaller because no man can live up to the rules and regulations that are made by man. He said, I, I'm, preaching, I'm preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And he said, this is the same message I want you to preach. Amen. I hope I stay up myself. He said, okay, disciples, it's time for you to go do what you saw me doing. And he said, oh, yeah, I got a message for you to start preaching. He said, go say the kingdom. Make sure it's open. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. He said, I preached it. I don't care if you touch it. Just open it up. Thank you. <clears throat> He said, I preach nothing but the gospel uh, of the kingdom and that's what I want you to preach, amen? Matter of fact, Luke 9 said, he called the 12 disciples together, gave them power and authority over devils and to cure diseases, amen, and sent them to preach the kingdom of God and heal the sick. He said, this, this is what I want you to preach. Jesus never preached or promoted religion. As a matter of fact, he and John the Baptist were, they were two radical opponents of religion. John told the religious say, except you repent and turn from your religious traditions, you can't even see the kingdom of God. We're so bound up by religious traditions, we can't even see this kingdom. Oh my God. Are y'all okay this morning? We're struggling, we're trying to make ends meet, amen, and we're living in a kingdom where he said, if you get your priorities right, I'll take the struggle out of your life. My God, this ain't a prosperity message, this is a promise that I'm gonna add the things you are working for, they're gonna come without sweat equity, you're just gonna reach in and somehow you're gonna have extra in your meal barrel. You can fight this gospel I'm preaching if you want to, but why? Somebody say, sign me up. Matter of fact, now I understand Luke 16, 16. It says, uh, how's that scripture go? Man, if Nisha was back there, it'd already be on the screen. Luke 16, 16. Uh, uh, the law and the prophets, religion was before John the Baptist. But since John, the kingdom of heaven is preached and men are pressing their way into it. We want our churches to grow. Maybe we want to start preaching the true kingdom. Amen. Instead of a bunch of rules and regulations. Had a man come in here the other day to give us a quote for some remodeling that we're doing. And he said, uh, what, what, so y'all are, and I, I go through this all the time. So y'all are, um, um, 
you know, what denomination? What he really meant was what club you in? Y'all are non-denomination. He kept fishing. Y'all are non-denomination. He said, but, 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 but what's your background? I'm sitting there saying, here we go. Amen. He can't put me in a box because he don't know what club I was a part of. He's trying to get me, amen, to where he can deal with me and he can talk to me on his level, amen. So if he can find out what club I'm in, and here's the problem, it's just, if it's a club he used to go to, he's gonna be my friend. But if it's a club he don't agree with, Y'all know I'm telling the truth. I just love to tell them I'm just non-denominational. You know what? That's the way Jesus was. They hated him because they couldn't put him in the box. They couldn't figure out if he was lost, saved, son of God, man of God, prophet. Amen. They, they told the man, he, God, this is too good. Are y'all bored yet? Amen. He healed the blind man and they said, he couldn't have healed you. He's a sinner. Blind man said, I don't know if he's a sinner or not. All I know, I was blind, but now I see. Hey. You listen to me. Amen. Uh, religion puts you in a Jesus, he said, unless you repent, you can't even see the kingdom of God. I think we're blinded by our religious ideology. And it's divided me from you. You from me. And this church from that church down the road. You know what? I can shout with Pentecostals. Or I can shout with the Baptists. Or do the Baptists shout. Well, I can just meditate with a Baptist. <laughs> Whatever we do is Baptist. You know what I'm saying? Why? Because God ain't judging you by your reaction. He's judging you by your internal action. That's why he said, he, that's why he said religion says if you commit adultery, you're going to hell. But I say if you think about it, that's kingdom thinking. Because it, oh God, this is too much for one Sunday. I got to move on, don't I, Josh? Josh knows all these slides. He said, oh, God, we're going to be here till lunch. Jesus told him, he said, you hold on to your religious traditions and you reject the kingdom of God. Now, before we move on to explain what is the true gospel of the kingdom, I want to back up. Can I? Now, remember, I'm laying a foundation today. I won't be so long-winded next week. Yeah, I just got convicted by the Holy Ghost. Do y'all see that? Do y'all see that battle I just went into? I heard Jesus say, lie. Before we go on, I got to establish some things before I let you go today. And if you have to go, well, I understand. Just tip on out. Amen. But uh, I want to back up and look at what Isaiah said about this kingdom coming, this coming of this kingdom this form of government that he was about to establish. Now, you got to remember this. Isaiah was what scholars call a major prophet as opposed to a minor prophet, <laughs> whatever that means. And to me, it means he was a big shot. He was the major league. He was one of the greatest, biggest prophets that ever was. And he gave some of the most profound, prolific previews of this new government that was coming, Right? Because my text, Isaiah 9 and 6, is by far the most popular messianic prophecy of the entire Old Testament, right? For unto us a child is born, a son is given, the government shall be... I mean, everybody knows that prophecy. But what I want you to see is 
that prophecy is totally governmental. It don't speak of no religion. Can we, can we go deeper? It's totally governmental. For unto us a child is born. The government shall be upon his shoulders. His government will grow and grow and grow. He's going to rule from the throne of David. That was speaking all governmental. He will order his kingdom with judgment and justice. Them are not religious words. Them are, them are, them are in the penal code. Them are legal, them, them are, what word am I looking for? They're legal terms. They're governmental terms, right? He will order it with judgment and justice. As a matter of fact, go with me now. It was so governmental in content that if you were an established government, you would see it as a prophetic threat. Catch it? And if you were under an oppressive government, you would see it as a prophecy of hope. Somebody's going to set us free. And, and, and when Jesus was born, the Jewish nation was under oppressive government of Rome. 63 years before Christ, Rome took over. And they were governing Judah now. There was no king, are you following me? For the Jews. They was a Roman king. Amen. So they were under King Herod. And King Herod saw it as a governmental coup. Y'all know what a coup is? A coup is a violent overthrow of an existing government. Herod heard about this king being born. He thought somebody's come get his crown. Because the prophecy was so governmental. He didn't speak of these Jews' religion. He wasn't scared of their religion. He was scared of a king that was fitting to overthrow him and take his rule away from him. Matter of fact, now when Jesus was born, I can prove it to you. Now when Jesus, the, the Christmas story. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, where is he that is born what? King, governor, ruler of the Jews. For we have seen his star in the east and we come to worship him. When Herod heard, when Herod the king heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem got troubled because there's supposed to be a governmental coup. There's supposed to be an overthrow of an existing government. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes and people together, he demanded them, where is this Christ going to be born? They said unto him, in Bethlehem of Judah, for thus it is written by the prophet, Micah was the prophet, uh, by the prophet Micah, that thou, here's what Micah said, thou Bethlehem in the land of Judah are not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor and he shall rule my people. So King Herod, this thing is so governmental that the king thought we're going to have an overthrow. We're going to have a governmental coup. I got him. Let's go a little bit deeper. Not only did King Herod think it was a governmental overthrow, the disciples did too. When James came by and said, follow me, they thought this is it. They, they didn't follow Jesus to get saved. When he came by and said, follow me, they thought, oh my God, he is finally here. It was prophesied. A new king is coming. A new order of government is coming. We're gonna join the reign. Daddy, we gotta go to war. 
We got to leave the nets. We got to leave the fishing. They jumped on the bandwagon and went after Jesus. Amen. Why? Because they've been waiting for a new government for a long time. Amen. They said, the, uh, they, they, scripture started running through their mind that this king is going to establish the throne of David again. Right? Boy, y'all are chewing on this this morning. They were Jews and they knew what the scripture said. They had Isaiah memorized. They knew what the prophet Micah said about a governor being born in Jerusalem, in Bethlehem. They knew what Zechariah said. Look, Zechariah said, Rejoice, O daughter of Zion. Rejoice, Jerusalem, because your king is coming. A new form of government is coming. Yes, sir. The disciples thought this was about to be the overthrow of a brand new government. And the, uh, of an old government and the establishing of a new one. Matter of fact, I can prove it to you. James 10, 35, write that down because I didn't put it on the screen. It says, James and John came to Jesus and said, can we sit on the right side and the left side when you come into power? When you kick that king off and you're the king, they come seeking political power and prestige. They all had it right in one perspective, but they all had it wrong in another perspective. Here's where it catches, right here. They were right in the fact that Jesus was coming to establish a kingdom. They was right in the fact that Jesus would be the new governor and that he was bringing a new order of government to the planet. They were right in the fact that Jesus came to initiate a governmental coup. The only thing that they had wrong was thinking that this kingdom was natural instead of spiritual. Now it's important that you catch this. I know this is a lot of facts. That's the only thing they had wrong. Matter of fact, Jesus told Pilate, he said, you say I'm a king and you're right. For this purpose, I was born. But John 18, 36, he said, but my kingdom, catch this now, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from, shout it out, Hence, well, the word hence means from either side. So Jesus said, not only is my kingdom not from this world, he said, you have it all wrong. This government I'm about to establish, it's not on your side as a Roman. It's not on the religious side of the Jews. I'm not on either side. I'm on God's side. Oh, y'all got to get that. He said, I'm on God's side. Therefore, he said, the kingdom I'm about to establish is on God's side, and it's not against you. It's not against the Jews. It's against principalities and powers and spiritual wickednesses in high places. I'm finna overthrow demons. I'm finna destroy the king of this world, Satan, and all his spiritual bureaucrats are finna be overthrown, and I'm finna establish a new kingdom. 
Now, if you understood what that means, you'd be shouting around this building right now. Why? Because you were slaves to the old government. You were slaves to Satan. We were slaves and bondage to sin. But Jesus said, I'm finna come and overthrow that kingdom and I'm finna bring a whole new rule of freedom to the body of Christ. He said, my kingdom's not from here. He said, it's not from his. It's not for you or against you. It's for God. Therefore, if my kingdom didn't originate with you, you can't vote me in and you can't vote me out. King said, now he's, he's tied. He's got a crown of thorns. He's bleeding and the king's been to kill him and he's telling the king, you can't put me in power and you can't take me out of power. You can't advance my uh, kingdom and you can't take the kingdom away from me. Because I've been established a kingdom that is not of this world. So it's a governmental coup, all right, but it's in another realm. Well, they had it all wrong. But can I say this? I'm trying to quit. We had it all wrong, too. Because we thought Jesus was coming to establish another religious system. We were wrong because he didn't come to establish another system he come to establish a kingdom. So this religious coup is an overthrow of a religious system of divisive sectarianism. He come to tear it down. And also an overthrow of demonic dictatorship. Take this scripture home with you right here. He said in Colossians, and you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has quickened together, having forgiven you all your trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. Amen. If we only knew what that means. To the Jew, you know what that meant? He took the law and all its obligations, all of its religious tradition. And when he died on the cross, he nailed the law to the cross that was contrary to me. Amen. Every ordinance, every, every hoop that we had to jump through for God to love us, he nailed it to the cross. And not only did he do that, but he spoiled principalities and powers and made a show of them openly triumphing over it. That's what this new kingdom was all about. And the king just thought he wanted to sit on his throne. Jesus said, I'm not coming after you, king. I'm coming after a king you can't even see. I'm coming after governmental oppression that you can't even see. It's spiritual. And we see Jesus as the lamb that was slain. And he was the lamb. But the Bible also said he is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And Isaiah said, I saw Jesus. And he looked down and said, justice has fell in the street. And I thought for somebody who would overthrow this thing. He said, but I couldn't find nobody. So I put a helmet of salvation on my head. I put on a breastplate of, oh, is anybody listening to me? He didn't come. Oh God, I'm finna get happy now, amen. You saw a baby in swaddling clothes. The devil saw a warrior with a breastplate. A devil saw. He he saw a warrior. My God, I can't help myself this morning. He knew he was coming to take his dominion away from him. 
I love that scripture. Oh, God, I wish I had wrote that scripture down. Amen. I'd be clicking it for you right now. Amen. He said he put on a breastplate of righteousness, and for vengeance he clothed himself. And his fury upheld him. In other words, he came with an attitude. Can y'all see Jesus now? He came with an attitude. He came angry at hell, and he came and disarmed your government that you were a slave to. I said, okay, I got a new kingdom you can come to now. Are y'all okay this morning? Y'all ready for me to quit preaching yet? I got one no over here is where I'm gonna preach. It was a governmental coup. It didn't have anything to do with religion. It was you were bound by the God of this world. He had control of you, Scott Bamberg. Amen. You had a bunch of devils hold you. <laughs> Man, every song they sang this morning. Amen. Thank you, dear. My wife just said, you did too. I could read her lips. You did too. Amen. I was under an oppressive government. I was a drunk and couldn't help it. I was losing my wife and my first child, but I could not control because I had no self-governance. But a king came and he came as a warrior and he dethroned my enemy and he established a brand new kingdom and now he's preaching the gospel of somebody ought to get on your feet and praise the Lord oh my God I'm no longer a slave I'm no longer a slave I'm a son and I'm in a kingdom where my king gonna take good care of me We got to get rid of this religion. Now, next week, we're going to preach on part two. Seek first the kingdom and. But it's a different kind of righteousness. It's a righteousness birthed in the heart of man. And it's freedom. It's a love relationship. I mean, what kind of relationship would me and my wife had if. If she said, can I have a kiss? <laughs> Getting this on camera. And she started kissing me and I went. <laughs> Let me try this with somebody else. Logan. <laughs> huh? Our, our, our honey, you haven't kissed me today. Huh? I just described the majority of religious folks who has to pray when they don't want to. They have to. Oh my God. They have to go to church when they don't want to. And I gotta lift my hands and worship God. That's what religion does. But a relationship to the king says, I love him. I wanna worship him. He is good. Somebody help me shout. He is a good God. He's my father. Oh. No wonder. It's called the gospel of the kingdom because gospel means good news. Good news is you don't have to overcome that habit by yourself. Taylor, all them bad habits you got. 
Ain't never smoked a beer. Said a cuss word. Oh, y'all ain't never smoked a beer. You ain't had a beer. <laughs> Till you smoke one. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that was uncalled for. Amen. Religion says if you'll quit doing this and quit doing that, your father might be pleased with you and he might let you in. That's what religion says. And you know what I found about religion, Bobby Stowe? You know. It never says enough is enough. Sleeves ain't long enough. Hair ain't long enough. Skirt ain't long enough. Didn't pray long enough. Didn't study long enough. So we come into worship service every morning, Sunday with, all right, let's get this over with. I know you want to kiss. So let's just get this done, okay? And then we can go about our day. Wow, that is so good. If that's your mindset, you have mistaken the kingdom for religion. He said, it's the goodness of God that pulls people in my kingdom. If we ever get this kingdom message right and all of us become kingdom people instead of religious people, Luke 16, 16 said, they will beat your door down because they want that prince of peace in their life. Religion has no peace. Am I right about it? This man was bound by religion. Probably, well, when did you work at Haddon's before? Was that two years ago? Three years ago? 2001 and two. If you ever got tires, you probably got told you was going to hell from this man, right? Because he was dedicated to his religion. You hated me for a while, didn't you? At least he's honest. Now look at him. He just loves me. He just thinks I'm the best thing since Bluebell ice cream. It's my story, I'll tell it. Because God delivered that whole family from religion and they started experiencing the kingdom. Somebody give the Lord a hand, praise. I believe I'm further enough along to stop and pick up next week. <laughs> My wife is so awesome. Amen. Amen. Her voice is so precious, you can't even get mad at it. Stand with me all over the place. Don't you leave this church and miss next Sunday and leave and go tell somebody that Pastor Love preaches that there's no requirements. Anybody can be a Christian. That ain't at all what I preached. And I'll prove it to you as I go. But I'm going to tell you what. In the kingdom, you don't need a bunch of rules. In my marriage, I don't need rules. If she has to put rules on me, there's something wrong with that marriage. She got to tell me do right, act right. Of course, she does a lot of times when we go in the store. <laughs> Dean, now behave yourself. She ain't got to tell me to love her. She ain't got to tell me, Dean, please don't be unfaithful to me today. She ain't got to tell me that. I don't need rules. Because I'm captivated by love. 
that pulls me home when I'm supposed to be home. My God, I'm still preaching 100 miles an hour. Jesus said, that's the kind of kingdom I've come to establish. And if you will put this kingdom first, I'm going to start adding to your life. If you'll put my government first, if you will bring my order to your life first and seek nothing but a right relationship with the Father, you're going to reach in there and say, oh my God, there's another handful. There's another handful. There's another handful. And you know what I like about this story? The Bible says that the, the handfuls never run out, neither did the oil. In other words, it, it wasn't just running over with it laying all over the floor. Every day she put Jesus first. She reached in and got another handful. Now I understand. Give us this day our... I didn't get to it, but I wanted to go on to preach. Now, if you understand this, you understand what was the first prayer Jesus taught the disciples to pray. Very first one. Somebody spit it out. The very, they said, teach us to pray. What did Jesus say? Pray this. Our Father of heart in heaven, your kingdom come. He said it ought to be your first pursuit and it ought to be your first prayer. I'm going to say this, and I don't say it to belittle what situation you may be in right now because me and my wife has been in some tight situations before to where we didn't have enough funds to make ends meet. But I'm learning by this gospel right here, if my focus is on praying that I'll have food to eat and clothes to wear, my Bible says that I got the wrong mindset. You say, well, you, you, wait a minute now. Wait a minute. Well, just let me challenge you with this. Maybe it's not working for us like it should because we're more dedicated to religion than we are the kingdom. That's why I'm preaching first things first. And I'm declaring by the end of January, we're going to have it right. And God's going to start adding to this church, Benny Douglas. He's going to add resources. He's going to add gifts and talents. He's going to bring people. He said it. It's the prophetic governmental prophecy of Isaiah of the increase of this government. It'll never stop. This is going to be a year of increase if we get it right. I got to quit. Father, we love you this morning. Josh, come get ready to take over. We love you this morning. I need you to take time just to say in your own way, thank you for the gospel of the kingdom. It's releasing me from rules and regulations that govern my hands and not my heart. Thank you, Father. Take us together at Life Church. Let individuals leave here with it, O oh Lord God, in their spirits. Let us become true sons of the kingdom and not slaves of religion. And as a result, someone out there is going to say, I want to know your king. I want to know your father. I want to be a part of that kingdom. <laughs> I want to be a part of the freedom that sets me free. Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org.